Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Grace and peace to you from God and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome home, children of God. In a time of pandemic and political division, what does it mean for us to pick up our cross and to follow that cruciform path? Is it that God is calling us to a counterintuitive kind of love that we're called to cover our faces and block our breath to protect our neighbor's lungs? That we're being asked to stay apart, to care for those whom we're closest to? Are we being asked to look at past hatreds to uncover ways to heal today's hurt? Is there transformation from political division into reconciliation and justice and peace? Is it that God is calling us to a counterintuitive love? For is such love itself our cross to bear? As our hearts and minds come together in worship, may we seek to become the very peace that we proclaim. May we find the courage to take one more step in that direction of love. For love is indeed our cross to bear. Thanks be to you, O God, that we have risen this day. Awaken us to the rising of life itself. Be the purpose of Christ between us and each purpose. The hands of Christ between us and each hand. The pain of Christ between us and each pain. The love of Christ between us and each love. O God, who brought us to the bright light of this new day, bring us again to the guiding light of eternity. Amen.
Today's scripture reading is taken from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 16, verses 21 to 28, True Discipleship. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not on the side of God, but of men. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? Or what shall a man give in return for his life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay every man for what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In a New York minute, everything can change. From one passage to the next, Peter goes from being cornerstone to stumbling block, from confessing the Messiah to rebuking his teacher, from grasping the fullness of Christ to missing the incarnation completely. It's only logical that he wants to protect his friend and teacher. And like many who followed Jesus, Peter still held on to those delusions of grandeur, thinking that the cruciform way leads to power, glory, and honor. But in a New Testament minute, everything can change. And from the opening verse, Jesus marks a new phase of his ministry. From that time on, Matthew writes, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering, it says, and to be killed and on the third day be raised. Matthew doesn't say that Jesus taught these things or that Jesus implied these things. It says that Jesus shows his disciples this cruciform way. He shows his disciples what it is to walk the path towards the cross and resurrection. By his example, by his behavior, by his very being, Jesus shows forth the gospel that he proclaims. Christ is becoming the word that he preaches. And understandably, Peter struggles to keep up. The cruciform way doesn't lead to thrones or elections, not to power or riches. You won't become an influencer on TikTok. You won't drive a fancy car. The cruciform way leads to the cross and through the cross to an empty tomb and resurrection, from death to life for us and for the broken world. The cruciform way is the path of self-emptying love. It rejects violence and dehumanizing patterns of privilege 
Rather, it seeks the welfare of others while not tolerating the abuse of the self. Peter struggles, as we all do, because this is not the path of comfort or safety. It's not the path of prosperity or a good night's sleep. This is the path of the cross. And so Jesus calls him up short, a cutting rebuke. Get thee behind me, Satan. We hear echoes of the temptation in the desert. Go away from me, Satan. But there's a huge difference here. Jesus doesn't break relationship with Peter. He teaches even as he rebukes. He doesn't say, go away. Rather, he says, get behind me. In Greek, it also means, follow me. Peter, follow me, for you are being a stumbling block. Peter, follow me, for you are setting your eyes on earthly things. Peter, follow me, for you know that I will always love you. This is the cruciform way. Even in a painful teaching moment, Jesus reaches out with self-emptying, self-effacing love, saying, Peter, follow me. Is Peter stumbling block or cornerstone? A sinner or a saint? As we discovered and talked about last week, Peter's both. The Lutherans have lovely language for this. They say we are simultaneously saints and sinners. We are broken vessels yet full of grace, cracked pots yet made beautiful and stronger in those broken places. We are both cornerstones and stumbling blocks. It's a simple complication that makes all the difference. We are sharing the grace that we ourselves so greatly need. We are becoming the very peace we so desperately seek. This last week, some streets in America were flooding from the hurricanes. While other streets in America were on fire with renewed violence and more black bodies, more human bodies, are cannon fodder for politics, prejudice, and privilege. In the crossfire, in the cross-contamination, at the crossroads of our broken world, the cruciform path seems so distant. And we seem so weak in the seemingly impossibility of a life other than the lowest common denominator. In the human tragedy, in the unworkable situation of division and strife, the peace of Christ seems naive. The cruciform way seems pointless. Yet we are both sinners and saints, full of faith and doubt, full of flaws yet embraced by grace. And I had a moment of profound pause and grace this week when in all the turmoil and vitriol of the U.S. news, a friend sent me a photo of the national headquarters of my home denomination, the equivalent of 121 George Street for us. And upon the side of the beautiful and majestic building were projected the lovely and challenging words that reframes all the political maneuvering, all the propositions and positioning. Simply it says, God delights in black lives. 
during days when no one feels safe, when all of our words seem like partisan words and all of our good intention seemed turned against themselves, what refreshing joy and challenge to hear God delights in black lives. I needed to hear those words to remind me of the cruciform path, to remind me of my own complicated history and the lengths that I have yet to go to and the lessons that I still need to learn. A reminder that God's intention stands above all partisan ploys. Yes, the gospel is political. Jesus turning over the tables was a political act. Jesus healing on the Sabbath was a political act. Jesus caring for all those who were deemed untouchable was a political act. And make no mistake, Jesus hanging on the cross was a political act. But to say that is not to say that God is partisan. God is neither a Democrat nor a Republican. God doesn't vote Labor or Conservative or SNP. If we say that God delights in black lives, it is to acknowledge that God is with and for us all, especially those who are facing oppression and suffering. And in this time, we're acutely aware of the sin of systemic racism. God delights in black lives and mourns any and all racism. But God delights in Republican lives. God delights in Democrat lives. God delights in your life. God delights in my life. And God always sheds a tear when the image of God is suppressed in any of us, especially when the suppression and oppression is spread throughout a country's whole culture and history. God sheds a tear at the strife in America. God sheds a tear at the strife in my heart and in our world. God sheds a tear when we fail to lift up one another, when we fail to look deeply at our own brokenness. Yet God always delights in that multiform image that is shining within us. God delights in us. And what a great reminder that yes, God calls us to more. Even as the Spirit intercedes for us, God still delights in us. Especially those whom we would dismiss or denigrate, God delights in them. For God is faithfulness and calls to us, follow me. So saints and sinners all, may peace come to you and courage carry you when you cannot see your way forward. May we all take one more step in the direction of love, one more step along the cruciform path, one more step back to the image of God within each of us. Amen. It is well.
Let us pray. Loving God, you made us, and you know us outside and in. Some of us like to look tough and hide our soft center. Some of us look fragile on the outside, but have a core of steel within. We believe that you want us to be whole. So help us to accept all the different qualities that make us uniquely the people that we are. May we use our strength to support other people and not to trip them up. May we risk sometimes showing our softness so that we feel with others their pain and share with others their joy. And so we pray for the well-being of others. Even as we pray for the brokenness in ourselves, we pray for the queen and her family, for politicians, pundits, and public servants, that they and we ourselves might act out of your image within us all, that we might see your image in the others and never denigrate the image within ourselves, that we might act again against the pain of prejudice, stand in opposition to the violence of racism, and work towards the dignity and justice of all people. May we become your peace, solid as a rock, hard as a diamond, light as a feather. Help us to become our best selves for you and for each other. So then make us bold to risk something big for something good and to have courage enough to pray as you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with us all, now and beyond forever. Amen.